Hi, it's John Halamka, and thanks so much for inviting me to your conference. Today I'd like to talk about the future of virtual care. Now let me start with a COVID context, and then let's expand that to the new normal post-COVID. So let's think of the five stages of COVID. Now these are five stages that I have suggested. These are not in the medical literature. Stage one would be isolation. We were worried about personal protective equipment and ventilators. We were worried about hand sanitizer. And we did our best to stay at a distance in our own homes. We then began to venture out. And as we ventured out, testing of all kinds became very important. PCR, antigen, molecular testing, at-home testing, different kinds of validation that we did or did not have COVID. And with testing also came contact tracing and many ways to do contact tracing, some manual methods and some automated. And certainly as we go forward into the future, the notion of automated contact tracing during pandemics will be increasingly important. And then post that phase, we enter into the cure phase, dexamethasone, convalescent plasma, hyperimmune globulin, things that are likely to bring patients back to health faster, help them survive the disease. And then vaccines. Sure, there'll be five or six different kinds of vaccines, some with a single dose, some with two doses, that we'll see in 2021. We'll understand more about safety and efficacy and appropriateness for each individual. And of course, we are going to need to document the results of those vaccines and some non repudiatable way so that you could say, yes, I'm going back to work or I'm going to a public event and I can prove either that I've recently tested negative or have a vaccine that has been completed and confers some kind of immunity. And you can imagine all kinds of interesting automation solutions to deliver that proof of vaccine as well as to ensure that it cannot be falsified. Some may have a blockchain backend. And then we'll get to the new normal. And what are we going to see in the new normal? Well, let's think about 2020. In 2020, say January, three to 5% of care in the United States was virtual. By April, 80 to 90% was virtual. And here we are in November of 2020, and we're looking at about 20% of care being virtual and that is going to be a persistent cultural change. So ask yourself, how many changes have you ever experienced, technological or policy or cultural, that within one year, one goes from 5% to 20% adoption of a technology? I mean, this is unheard of. And that's the new expectation. My mother is nearly 80. And when I tell her, you could get the same quality care without leaving your living room. And you can do virtual visits and you can use sensors and you can submit data and you could potentially even do at-home diagnostics and therapeutics will be available either at the e-prescribed Walgreens CVS pickup window nearby you or delivered directly to your home. And of course, what she says is in this time of COVID, what I've learned is virtual care is actually good enough. And so what I think we're going to see in this post-COVID new normal is a demand for different kinds of virtual care. So 
Now let's think about the kinds of virtual care that we'll see. Right, some virtual care will be store and forward. And that is, oh, imagine that I have a lesion. Uh, is this spot a cancer? Well, that is a sending of an image to an individual or to a chatbot or service where in an asynchronous way, that image is interpreted and a result returned. That's certainly one kind of virtual care. Or a visit where I am connected via some kind of telemedicine application, FaceTime and Zoom and these kinds of things that we've seen evolve over the COVID period seem to again be accepted by many as good enough. And even though there are some privacy risks, if the patient asserts they are willing to accept such a privacy risk, of course, it's fine to use such a technology. But some are going to be high acuity, serious and complex care at a distance. And what do I mean by that? Well, traditionally, we've had inpatient ward beds for COPD, congestive heart failure, pneumonia, hyponatremia or other metabolic disorders, cellulitis. Well, what we're seeing at Mayo Clinic is that we can deliver high acuity, complex and serious care in the home. And this of course mean, means remote patient monitoring, pulse, blood pressure, pulse ox, glucometry, or other kinds of monitors. It means dashboards with care plans and rules and command centers. But we've launched in the Florida marketplace and in the Wisconsin marketplace an advanced care at home offering and we've had 50 highly acute, serious and complex patients go through that program with quality, safety, and incredible family satisfaction because we were able to deliver the Mayo level of care in a place where the patient and family were comfortable, sleeping in their own beds, eating their own food, even we saw that sundowning, as might occur in a strange environment like a hospital where there are noises all night and the room is unusual, didn't happen in the advanced care at home environment. So I think you're going to see a trend of much more serious and complex care delivered at a distance than ever before. And of course, we've seen EICU care where specialty physicians can deliver highly complex care at a distance, even if a patient is in a physical ICU. So I tell you all these things because as we look at these next six quarters, we've had a technology change. That is, there is more remote patient monitoring, more devices that you wear in the home, more capacity to deliver this kind of remote care because of the rollout of 5G, more accessibility to broadband and patients and their families having access to remote care software and hardware. We've also seen policy change. And in the time of COVID, what we've seen is rollbacks of various regulations that required state level licensure of telemedicine professionals. So that even though I'm in Massachusetts, I can deliver care in North Dakota without having to be licensed in North Dakota. And we've also seen changes in reimbursement so this means that physicians will be able to collect near parity for a variety of services they used to deliver in person. And regulatory changes also include site of service changes so that 
different professionals can deliver different kinds of care in different places. Paramedics can deliver care in the home and the community and not just in the back of an ambulance or in a hospital. And nurses can practice in various different settings. So if we're seeing that health professionals, doctors, nurses, EMTs, and allied workers can deliver high quality care in multiple non-traditional settings, and reimbursement is going to be near parity, and licensure issues have been relaxed, we're going to see a policy environment that encourages the rollout of more virtual care. But more importantly, as I was getting at, the culture has changed. There is an expectation that hospitals and caregivers will deliver these kinds of services. So I talked about all the stages we're going through, about all of the kinds of care processes that you'll see going forward. Two additional thoughts. Mayo Clinic has 154 years of data. We've taken the data, some of which is medical records on paper digitized, multiple EHRs consolidated. Some are pictures or recordings. Some are slides of pathology that have been digitized and some are films. We've de-identified that data and placed it in a secure container where it can be used for AI algorithm development and we've created an AI factory for our thousands of faculty. Now, why would I mention that? In all this kind of virtual care that I've described, there's going to be an increasing need for real-time decision support. That is, providers will be given better decision support, patients better decision support, chatbots with integrated algorithms, triaging patients based on sign and symptom and location to the right virtual care. So the way Mayo thinks about this is we go through these five stages of COVID and go to the new normal. We better have a warehouse of AI algorithms that can support those changes. We also must have the cloud hosted services. They can ensure all kinds of virtual care delivery are done, including high acuity, as I mentioned. And finally, we need to think about what we're going to do with all the new kinds of telemetry that we're gathering from the devices we wear or the devices in our homes. How do we take standards-based extractions of these continuous high-velocity signals, run them against AI algorithms, separate signal from noise, wheat from chaff, and then deliver to providers and to patients and to pharmacies and to payers the kind of real-time analysis needed to support this virtual care? reducing cost and improving quality. So the three businesses at Mayo that I have been asked to run as president of Mayo Clinic Platform are the AI factory and all its underlying data, the delivery of high acuity care at a distance, and the marrying of new forms of telemetry with AI algorithms so that we're able to support these new workflows. And of course, there will be many other tasks ahead like ensuring our algorithms are developed without bias, that data is heterogeneous enough so that if an algorithm is developed in one part of the country, it can be used in another part of the country or with one cohort of patients and used with another cohort of patients. So in addition to the three businesses that I have been asked to run, I'm also involved in a very Mayo-supported look at issues of disparities and lack of 
equality and systemic racism? And how do we look at our AI algorithms and our virtual care with those in mind, as well as ethics in mind? So over these next six quarters, you'll see more and more analytics, more and more remote patient monitoring, more care types delivered at a distance, but also with a focus on the patient and a focus on reducing disparities and eradicating systemic racism. That's what I think the next six quarters will be about. And although COVID has certainly been a tragedy, it has accelerated the work of virtual care in 10 months, not the 10 years we had expected. So I'm extraordinarily optimistic about our virtual care future. And I look forward to working with all of you to make the world a better and higher quality, lower cost care at a distance enabled place. Thanks and have a great conference.